I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Good morning. Welcome back along to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football family, coming to you live on this Sunday morning. The sun is shining, which is nice, but it hasn't done an awful lot in terms of improving my mood since last night. Really, really disappointing performance and, of course, result for Arsenal yesterday at the City Ground. And on this edition of the show, of course, uh, we're going to be unpacking all of that. There's so many conversations to be had around what actually happened on the pitch as well. You know, we're going to talk about, of course, Mikel Arteta's team selection. We're going to talk about how that worked out. We're going to be talking about some of the individual performances. But we're going to talk Kieran Tierney. We're going to talk Granite Xhaka. There's, there's just so much uh, to kind of unpack, as I say, off the back of yesterday's game. Disappointment is the overriding feeling. Our title challenge has, has gone out. Um, it's fizzled out is the right way to put it, I guess. You know, I kept saying over the last few weeks, even when I felt that it was beyond us and even when I felt that Manchester City had the upper hand and that the chances of Arsenal going on to win it were very, very low, I just wanted to see Arsenal give it a go and I wanted to see Arsenal stay hot on their heels and I wanted to see Arsenal really make them have to go out and win it. And, um, and instead of that, We've literally gifted it to them. Manchester City crown champions officially now without even having to kick a ball this weekend, which, look, it can happen. It's happened many times in history. Teams have won the title based on results elsewhere before they've even taken it to the pitch. But in this season of all seasons, it feels almost a bit of a letdown to have allowed them to to do it in that way. I mean, they've been brilliant. They've been fantastic. Nobody should take that away from them. And I want to congratulate Manchester City as well um, because they are, if not the best team uh, in the world right now, they're certainly the best team um, in England by about a country mile, which I guess probably does make them the best team in the world because they're the best team in Europe, I would say. And, um, and of course, outside of Europe, you could argue that the standard isn't quite as high uh, generally speaking. So congratulations to Man City. Deserved winners in the end. They were able to really ramp it up when we weren't. They were able to be perfect when it was needed. And unfortunately, our margin for error as a result of that was smaller than it might have been in another season against another opponent. And um, and we, uh, you know, we, we just couldn't maintain it. We just couldn't do it. I know people keep saying look, in the chat, um, Chris says, I wouldn't congratulate cheaters. Uh, Mike says City shouldn't be congratulated until after the FA investigation is complete and they're cleared of fraud. Listen, I've I've said this before. I'm massively, massively concerned about what Manchester City are alleged to have been doing. And I'm massively concerned about what that means for our game, what that means for the Premier League. What I would say, though, is whilst I suspect... There has been some wrongdoing and it is just a suspicion based on the fact that I don't understand really how a club with such a, how do I put this without sounding like a, a salty, uh, bitter Arsenal fan right now. I mean, some of the revenues that they've generated just for a club of that size just don't add up to me 
Um, if they've done it genuinely or if they found a loophole, which means that they haven't crossed any lines, then fine, fair play to them. And I'll, inwait, uh, I'll await the outcome of the investigation before we go massive on this. Um, but at this moment in time, we're talking just about the football. And I think when you look at the level of football that they've played this season, um, not so much in the first half of the season, but they did enough to kind of keep within touching distance. But in the second part of the season, particularly in the last three months, they've been perfect in pretty much every competition, in pretty much every game, on pretty much every stage. And however they got there to this point where they've got this incredible group of players and, and the best in class when it comes to management and directors and executives, you still have to say that they've been fantastic. And, you know, I prefer at this point to look at what we could have done better because that's what we can control. And I'm a big believer in not obsessing over things that you can't control. You have to factor them in when you're assessing how good or badly you did at something. And when we assess Arsenal's performance this season, we'll definitely do that. And we are going to bring you a full-length season review show uh, coming up after, um, of course, next weekend's game, where what we're going to do is, I, I think we might break the season down into three parts. Um, and sort of go through those bits in detail, talk about what happened, what went well, what went badly, and then try at the end of this kind of three parts to come up with maybe some ideas and solutions as to what we need to do moving forward, uh, in my opinion, of course. And obviously, I'd love you guys' input uh, from, of course, the chat box as well and the comment section and Twitter and, and wherever else. But yeah, look, on the show, we're going to discuss Mikel Arteta's team selection. We're going to talk about the goal we conceded and the fact that we were really lackluster in terms of creating chances as well um, ourselves. Uh, we'll talk about Mikel Arteta's comments after the game. What do they tell us? What do they kind of mean? Uh, we'll also be answering some of your questions that you've been sending in via Twitter this morning, and we'll take some more uh, from the live chat as well. But let's start off by having a look at the actual game itself. Just have a look at these match stats. If you're watching us, you'll see this on your screen uh, right now. Um, Arsenal possession, 82% away from home. But we only managed 11 attempts at goal. And Forrest managed six on just 18% possession. Which goes to show that, you know, if having, what, four times the amount of possession as your opponent only leads to you having five more attempts at goal, only one more on target than they did in the game overall. you got to question your efficiency with the ball and you got to question what it is you're doing with the ball. And what I seem to see from this Arsenal team at this moment in time is a lot of passing along the back line, a lot of passing into midfield, and then, of course, a lot of retreating in terms of where we're trying to go. There doesn't seem to be that penetration right now. Um, a lot of players, a lot of our players on an individual level have completely gone off the boil all at the same time, which is a big, big concern for me. Um, you know, we'll talk about the goal that we conceded in a minute, but if I'm just coming up with names off the top of my head, Leandro Trossard, is he showing what he showed when he first came to the club? No. Bakayo Saka, another subpar performance from him, you would argue. Jesus, not able to influence the game. Martin Odegaard, certainly not able to influence the game. Thomas Partey was back in the side yesterday and again, didn't look anywhere near the player that we know he can be. So those are just a few examples, but and the ones that just spring to my head first and foremost. But 
there is a real worry and a real concern about how much the level has dropped in the last few weeks. And people will say, well, mentally, they've had to deal with a real hammer blow in terms of the title race. And I would argue that if you want to be an elite sports person, you need to learn to cope with that. That is part and parcel of the territory. If you want to compete at the top, you have to deal with, at times, the euphoria that comes with being at the top. And at times, you're going to have to deal with the disappointment that comes when you're not able to maintain that standard or when you drop off. So, you know, mentally, this is a, a learning curve for these players. It's a learning curve for this manager as well. We keep talking about it. He's still young. He's still learning on the job. He's still got a long way to go as well. And I think actually uh, his team selection today to me was really, really strange. It, it didn't make any sense to me. Now, over the last few um sort of months where we've been without William Saliba. There's been a lot of talk about Ben White being pushed back into centre-back. There's been a lot of talk about the idea of, of plugging somebody else in at right-back to facilitate that. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Kieran Tierney and the fact that he doesn't play the Zinchenko role in the same way. And what does that mean for us as a team? What does that mean in the build-up? And actually, when I saw the team come out yesterday, I didn't expect this. I didn't expect what I saw once the game kicked off. So my initial assessment or analysis of what what the team was going to look like was that actually White was going to continue at right back. Kivior was going to continue at centre back alongside Gabriel and that Granit Xhaka would play the Alexander Zinchenko role. Now, Granit Xhaka's played at left-back before, and it's never worked, right? We've always come away from that thinking, what are you doing? It doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. In previous seasons, it made no sense whatsoever, and I agree with that. And I was one of the first people to say, you know, this this isn't this isn't quite working. And, and not only did it weaken us at left-back when we decided to take that route, but it often impacted us in midfield as well, uh, where, of course, Granit Xhaka is really, really important. So when I saw the lineup yesterday, I assumed that Xhaka was going to tuck in uh, to that left-back position when we were defending, but obviously play in the midfield when we were in possession in the way that Zinchenko does, and and that Partey was going to be in the midfield alongside Jorginho and Odegaard. Now, obviously I was wrong, um, because that's not what happened. That's not how we lined up. But I just, I can't make sense of what I saw. We saw Thomas Partey for the last 10, 15 minutes of a Premier League game this season at home. I can't remember exactly who it was against. I've been racking my brain all morning. But we did see it at the end of a game for about 15 or so minutes. And from then on, people started to say, well, you know, Partey can play at right back. No, he can't. No, he can't. Thomas Partey right now in his current form can barely play in midfield where he's been playing all of his life. He cannot play at right back. That was a wild, wild decision um, for me from Mikel Arteta. I'd have preferred that he played um, Granit Xhaka in that left-back role, which obviously isn't really a left-back position in terms of how Zinchenko plays it. Therefore, it wouldn't have had to be in terms of the way Xhaka played it yesterday. He would have spent most of his time um, in, uh, in the midfield um, and he would have... Um, you know, he would have been able to get on the ball quite a bit and would have just had to tuck into that space when we were without possession. And as I showed you, we had 82% of the ball. So the chances actually of Granit Xhaka being really exposed there were small. 
Partey playing at right back for me didn't make sense. It, it didn't make sense at all. And I also thought when the team news came out that this sent a really strong message over to Kieran Tierney. Now, since I've heard that Kieran Tierney had a bit of an issue, hence why he didn't start. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. Um, I don't know how accurate that is. So I'm not going to base my entire sort of dialogue and conversation now around that. But I understand that there might have been a slight injury, slight problem for Kieran Tierney, something that prevented him from training in the lead up to the game, which led to Mikel Arteta deciding he couldn't play. But even still, you know, to to play this, Partey at right back, White and Gabriel across the middle, Jakub Kivior, he's done really well since he's come in. He's played as a left centre-back in a back three in his career. He's played as a central defender in a back four in his career. He's played in defensive midfield at times, but he's not a left-back. He is not a left-back. And again, you know, the, the, the point comes back where it's, well, our left-backs don't necessarily play in the, the sort of same way that most left-backs would play. Um, it's not the traditional left-back role. And often that player will be asked to tuck into central areas and get on the ball. But is Jakob Kivior someone who can progress the play, who can progress the ball, who can break lines with his passing? Um, I don't really see it. You know, I, I would have backed Granit Xhaka to do a better job of that than Jakob Kivior on the day. Um, lots of people are saying, you know, Kieran Tierney's leaving, um, hence why he wasn't involved, hence why he's not playing. I mean, Granit Xhaka's probably leaving as well based on what we're reading and what we're hearing. I'm, I'm pretty sure um, I read something this morning. Let me see if I can find it um, with regards to Granit Xhaka's future, which suggested that the deal is even closer to being completed now than it was a couple of days ago when we were discussing it, at which point everybody was talking about how done it was and um, how close it was to being pulled off. I'm just looking for this piece uh, that I read a little bit earlier on. Hold on. Let me see if I can find it. Um, uh, no, can't find it. Don't worry. Um, don't worry about that. Um, but yeah, anyway, the point still stands. You know, Granite Xhaka looks like he's off to buy Leverkusen. It looks like that deal's done. It looks like he's gone. Yet he's playing. So I don't know if um, if that really... Um, is a, a sort of valid reasoning for leaving Kirantini out the side. What I will say about Kirantini is I don't think he's good enough. Like, I, I don't. Not to play the way that we want him to play. Now, that doesn't mean that, generally speaking, he's a bad fullback. He's a good defender. I think it's a bit of a myth that he can get forward and deliver pinpoint crosses. I was having this conversation uh, with some friends earlier on in a WhatsApp group. Look, at times, he's got forward to really, really good effect during his Arsenal career. But at the same time, he gets forward a lot and and sort of plays passes into nobody, crosses into nobody, aimless balls into the box. And Mikel Arteta doesn't want his players to be so irresponsible in possession because one of the big features of his game is to keep the ball, to suffocate people, to make sure you knock it about with zip and with tempo until you find that opportunity to slide someone in, to break the lines, to exploit half spaces, wide spaces, central spaces. 
All of those different things are a big feature in what Mikel Arteta wants to see his team do. And, and too many times, I think, particularly since we've changed our style, we've seen Kieran Tierney get forward, get up, look up, not really work out quick enough what it is that he wants to do, not pick out a target and just aimlessly pop the ball into the penalty area. And particularly with Gabriel Jesus up top, that doesn't work. You want to play the percentages game in terms of putting the ball in the box. It isn't going to work with Gabby Jesus. Add to that with Kieran Tierney, who again, look, I've got no ill feeling towards, but add to the fact that he's, you know, barely been fit throughout his Arsenal career. If we're talking about the club being ruthless and needing to be ruthless and needing to push on to that next level, I don't have a major issue with the idea of letting Kieran Tierney go. I've said to you guys for a long, long time now as well, that with KSE spending, you know, the constant funding of this project without necessarily having Champions League football, without having the revenues that they might have had in another era at another time, I always said that there was going to come a point where that was going to have to dry up a little bit or that we were going to have to start to think about balancing the books in some way, shape or form. Now, I'm not saying Arsenal won't spend this summer, so don't panic. But what I'm saying is Kieran Tierney is someone who clearly doesn't fit in with what we want to do anymore, clearly isn't rated as highly by Mikel Arteta as maybe he was by previous managers. And he is someone that you can go and get 30, 35, probably million pounds for. And that, I'm, I think, will appeal to Arsenal in terms of uh, him being a, uh, being seen as a sellable asset. So uh, the reason I've talked about Kieran Tierney, because Archangel says, fun fact, Tierney wasn't playing. The reason I've talked about it is because I think that his exclusion from the side yesterday, even in the absence of Zinchenko, was a really, really big statement from Mikel Arteta. And I think clears up um, what maybe a lot of people suspected, which was that Arsenal probably will look to offload him in the summer, particularly if they can get a decent amount of money in for him. Just taking it back to the goal that Arsenal conceded. I mean, what was that? You know, it was it was so poor, wasn't it? Martin Odegaard responsible for giving the ball away, playing a blind pass. You can't play passes into central areas um, like that and and expect and be surprised when an opponent nicks it off you. You know, Forrest had sat behind the ball. Uh, they defended really, really well. I thought they had a real. Um, emphasis on, or there was a real emphasis on making sure the lines or the spaces in between the lines were protected as best as possible at pretty much all times. And they had the quality of player in Morgan Gibbs-White who could sit, uh, sort of hang around and um, and look to pinch the ball from you at any opportunity and and take it forward. We know that he's been brilliant for them of late and, and is proving to be a, a pretty good signing for them from, of course, Wolverhampton Wanderers. And he nicks the ball after that really sloppy pass from Martin Odegaard. And I looked at it at that point and I went, now we'll be all right here. You know, we'll be fine. We've got plenty of bodies back. I think we had three men behind the ball at that point. We had three or four more chasing back. All you needed to do was hold them up. All you needed to do um, was, you know, just just jockey him wider and wider and wider. And, and instead... You know, I think we were too slow to do that. I think we were too slow to react defensively to the situation we found ourselves in. Gabriel sort of started to show our knee on the outside. And then at a, a certain point, I think, panicked 
and and was concerned about Awani getting the shot off. So what does he do, Gabriel? He goes in to make the challenge and he almost kicks the ball off of the forward, which takes it beyond Aaron Ramsdale. Um, you know, he kicked it against him before the forward himself was ready to take the shot on. And it sort of bundled its way past Aaron Ramsdale and into the back of the net. And at that point, when Nottingham Forest had something to hold on to, I, I really feared for us because I'd seen how the game had gone up until that point. Arsenal not really able to penetrate. Lots and lots of the ball, but not really getting anywhere with it. And um, yeah, I, I was really disappointed by the nature of the goal, but I wasn't surprised that we'd gone behind. We talked a lot in the build-up about what this game meant to Nottingham Forest, that Arsenal were probably really, really low. And that's not an excuse because as professionals, you need to pick yourselves up, you need to dust yourselves off and you need to go out there and give your all. Our away fans yesterday were fantastic, as they always are. They travelled all the way to Nottingham, um, watched a really lacklustre, disappointing performance. They didn't get what they deserved, in my opinion. And Based on some of the things I've read online this morning, and again, maybe someone who was at the game can confirm because I wasn't at the game yesterday. If anybody could confirm, I understand there were a few complaints from Arsenal fans who felt that the players could have done more in terms of going over and acknowledging them at the end of the game, particularly after that absolute stinker um, of a performance. But I keep talking about Arsenal's inability to penetrate. And I watched the game yesterday i've watched it back again in full i've seen the match of the day piece as well don't ask me why and i can't really think of a clear-cut opportunity that arsenal created all half chances and there was only three or four of them it was such a i don't know it was such a disappointing performance there were so many things wrong with it and and ultimately the reason we've come unstuck is because defensively we've just been piss poor individual errors, collective problems. We've just, yeah, we've really, really struggled um, of late. And I um, I, I don't know why. You know, I can't quite put my finger on, on some of it. I can understand that when you're missing key players, that's a problem and that impacts the level of the team. What The bit I can't understand is why so many key players have just dropped off in terms of their individual performances. That is strange to me and I can't get my head around that. What's the reason for that? Is it a mentality thing? Is it that when they got to the point where they recognised that Manchester City were in the driving seat, that they, you know, just sort of went into their shell? Is the inevitability of Manchester City something that's been playing on their minds and weighing heavy? Possibly. But you've got to learn to cope with those things and you've got to learn to deal with those things. The bottle job chat has come out again. Listen, I still think that's a, a real nonsense. I think that Arsenal... Overall, have had a very good season. Um, obviously, the way it's ended is disappointing. Nobody's going to pretend that it isn't. And anybody that's being sort of blind to that is obviously, you know, just trying to be super positive. The truth is somewhere in between. I think the two things can coexist. I don't think it has to be that binary. I think you can say that Arsenal have had a very, very good season and have improved and have taken strides forward. But at the same time, you can also say um, you know, that the way it's all ended and the way the campaign's fizzled out has been really, really disappointing. That's, for me, um, kind of the right way of, of packaging up what's happened to Arsenal in the past few months. Um, Mikel Arteta spoke after the game. He spoke about the need to heal, um, the need to kind of just find a way of dealing with this himself before he can then, of course, 
uh, go on and try and pick up the players. And, and we need to pick them up because look, nothing would be more deflating, I think, than to play Wolves next week, which obviously the game doesn't matter, but to play Wolves and for it just all to be really, really flat and for the team not to put in a performance and for the fans to be flat. You know, I looked at Tottenham yesterday. I, I saw, obviously, uh, some of their game with Brentford. Obviously, they were beaten at home. Um, very Spursy of them. But more than that, I think the biggest disappointment for Spurs and the thing that perhaps is probably the biggest talking point coming away from that game, look, Brentford are a good side. They can beat you on their day. It wasn't that. It was, for me, the fact that they came out or they prepared to come out to do a lap of appreciation, as you do in your final home game of the season, and nobody was there. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year, producing a balanced budget, not just for football, and saving on travel because spending less on airfares means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money podcast on your favourite podcast app. Future you will thank you. The stadium was pretty much empty. Most of the Spurs fans voting with their feet and, and making it clear to their club and to Daniel Levy that they're not happy with the way things have gone. Now, obviously, that's not going to happen at Arsenal, okay? You know, it's been a really, really good season. For the most part, there's clearly been progress. Even when we've had dreadful seasons, the Arsenal lap of appreciation is normally um, sort of well attended and I expect it to be even better attended this time around. I urge anybody that's going to the game, stay back. You know, give these players the pickup that they need. Show them that what they've done this season has been appreciated because we've all been able to believe again. Now, obviously that's gone now and it's dissipated, but... You know, when was the last time we were able to believe to this level? And for that, they deserve credit. And for that, they deserve praise. So I want everybody to show their appreciation next Sunday. And um, and I hope that that's done in the right way and Arsenal can put in a performance and, and all of that can be sort of turned from something we're massively disappointed about into something that we've learned from and something that we can take forward. Often pain drives you. And if we can take the pain of the end of this season and use it to fuel, you know, a busy summer, not financially, obviously, but in terms of drive to go and do the deals that we need to do, but also then go into the new season with that extra bit of motivation. I think that could be massive. I really, really do. I beg your pardon in advance if I sneeze. Hay fever is, uh, is hitting me today. Worst thing in the world, honestly. It really, really is. Look, uh, going to take a very, very short pause um, and then we're going to come back with some of your questions uh, from Twitter and, of course, from the chat box. Stay with me. Okay. Um, what should we do first? Should we do Twitter or should we do this? Uh, let's do the chat box here first. Um, Matt G says, that's what I'm having an issue with as well, Harry. So many of our players dropped off a cliff at the same time. Di weird, isn't it? And difficult to put your finger on, I think. Um, Archangel says, when so many players have a poor game at the same time, it's the system. But this is the interesting thing, mate. Like, it's, I think it's really easy to say it's the system. But 
that system has got us playing football at a totally different level to anything we'd seen in the last decade at Arsenal. So, you know, where where do you draw the line and say, I need to change it? And where do you say, actually, I should trust it and I should continue with it? If you... One of the things I was critical of Mikel Arteta for when he first came in was that he kept chopping and changing in terms of what he wanted to do, what his idea was. Now, it kind of came to light in the end that the reason he chopped and changed so much was because he didn't really trust in the players he had to to play the football that he wanted to play, which is what we've seen this season pretty much. But I think it's easy to go, well, change it. But if you really do believe in something and you trust in something and you've seen it bring you the rewards... You know, for example, if you're a gambler, right, if you've got a method when you go into the weekend and you look at your coupon and you pick your matches and more often than not, you get success out of that. One defeat isn't going to deter you from doing that. And one of the ways that you stay in the game is by basically having a method, trusting it and believing and, and understanding that overall it'll bring you more positive than negative. So I don't know that I would have ripped up the system and changed it, you know, over the last few weeks. I, personally, I don't think it's that. I think it's players have played a lot of games. Lack of rotation has been a bit of an issue, but again, that comes down to the squad depth. My one other point to that, though, would be that even after January, where we supposedly added to that squad depth, we still didn't see the rotation uh, that maybe we expected to see. And that could have contributed to some people being burnt out and not playing um, at the level that we know they can. Uh, Sephiroth says, Harry, does Arteta need to win a trophy next season? Because we can't be taking them for granted again. The season went down the drain in the last few games. Does he need to win a trophy next season? It depends what you define as success. So over the last few days, I've been thinking a lot about this. I had a conversation with um, Daniel Childs, who's a, a really great journalist who covers Chelsea. Um, he was speaking on the Arsenal situation, nothing to do with, with Chelsea. We were just having a conversation about Arsenal's season and campaign. And one of the things he said was, when you're up against Manchester City, whether you think they're cheats or not, whether you think they're the greatest team on the planet or not we're almost at this place and at this point where we have to kind of redefine what success is and we have to think about that and then make a judgment success can't be win the league don't win the league when you've got a team like Manchester City in the mix do you want Arsenal to give more in the domestic cup competitions so that at the end of the season you can say we won a trophy is that what you, I'm asking the question. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm asking the question. Because for me, I'd rather go one round further in the Champions League genuinely than win the Carabao Cup. I don't care about the Carabao Cup. The FA Cup is great. Yes, of course. It's a competition. We have a rich history and one that means a lot to us personally as Arsenal fans. But what I want to see Arsenal do next season is give it a right go in the Premier League again and in the Champions League. And, you know, sometimes you have to understand that unless you are Manchester City, you won't be able to compete on all four fronts evenly. And you're going to have to make sacrifices. You're going to have to make choices and you're going to have to make decisions. And personally, for me, it's not about whether he wins a trophy or not. Like, I know it's nice to win a trophy and I know ultimately that's what managers will be judged on. 
But personally, I'd rather see us continue to, you know, challenge in the Premier League and and fight on the Champions League front as well. The other thing, um, you know, that you have to, of course, uh, consider here is is what the rest of the league's going to look like. I mean. I spoke to someone this morning who said, well, if Arsenal don't at least finish second again next season, then it's a backward step. And I kind of agree with that because you always want to be moving in the right direction. You always want to be progressing forward. But if Arsenal didn't win the league again next season, but challenged, then that would be them at least maintaining what they achieved this season. And sometimes, you know, progress works in different trajectories. So at one point you might get up to, you know, a, a much better point in a really short space of time. And then you might hit a brick wall and not progress. And then you might progress a little bit more and that graph goes up and then maybe you hit another brick wall and then you improve that little bit further. It's not just a from the bottom to the top. It's not just a straight diagonal line. Like that's how you would draw your idea of progress on a graph whether that's the reality is not always the same thing because there are so many factors in football that contribute to how successful or unsuccessful you are. Um, what else have we got? Um, Cass says there's a mentality disease within the club. I fear for next season, if this is not addressed internally, I, I it's so easy to, to point at mentality all the time. And the reason people point at mentality is because there is nothing that quantifies how good or bad your mentality is. If you win, your mentality is elite. If you lose, it's automatically bad. It could have nothing to do with mentality. It could be down to ability. It could be down to various other things. So I think the mentality at Arsenal Football Club is much improved. I think it's moving in the right direction. I think inexperience is the problem at Arsenal right now. And that's all across the board. I think at the very top, Edu's doing a great job. I don't want to take anything away from him, but he's not as experienced as maybe some other sporting directors who have been successful in the game. Mikel Arteta is still learning. Again, that's something that KFC were happy to facilitate and we've got to accept that and understand that. Some of the players are young and learning and developing. Um, and and I don't, so I don't think it's mentality. Not for me personally. For me, it's more an inexperienced thing. I think that's where uh, the real sort of issue lays at the moment. And it's something that hopefully we're going to be able to put right over time. Look, going to take another very, very short pause and then we'll be back uh, with some more of your questions, thoughts and comments. Okay, let's do this. Let's continue through the chat. Don't worry, uh, Twitter folk, I am going to come uh, to some of your uh, points and questions in a little bit. Um, Thomas Holmes says, do we need a new striker? Jesus is good, but not on a level to win the league, being a starting number nine. Um, I think it's obvious that what Gabriel Jesus has brought to this side is, is link-up, is uh, work rate, is the ability to press from the front. Some goals, but arguably not enough goals. And I'm not holding him up against Erling Haaland because that, to me, is... That to me is unfair uh, because the guy is a freak of nature. You know, that's that's just how it is. Could he score more goals, Gabriel Jesus? Yes, but I also, when I look at his um, sort of his goal tally in the Premier League this season, I do have to remind myself that he was out for three months, you know, because that can have an impact on it, not just in 
the the days that you're absent and in the days that you're you're not on the pitch, but also it can take time to get back up to speed. And I think we saw it took a few weeks for him to get back up to speed. He'll have appearances on his record that were short appearances, coming back from injury appearances where he didn't play the entire game, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. I think we need another striker, genuine uh, generally speaking, not necessarily because Jesus is not good. Um, who that will be, I don't know. Will Balogun come back? Um, will he be sold? The most likely outcome from what we're hearing at the moment is that he'll be sold. Can Eddie and Ketia do it? I'm not sure that he can. Um, I think we need a different profile of striker as well to include in our weaponry. So I think there's a lot um, to think about here. I think there's a good few positions in which we need to strengthen. And, you know, as soon as the season ends, we'll, we'll do uh, a big sort of keep, sell, whatever else you want to call it, bin, I don't know, maybe that's a bit harsh, but you know what I mean? We'll do uh, something where we kind of break all these things down and try and work out um, exactly what it is that Arsenal should be doing and looking to be doing going into, of course, uh, the summer. Look, guys, uh, quick one. If you haven't done so already, please do leave a like on the video. I can see there's a, a couple of hundred of you with me live right now. We've only got 30-odd likes on the board. What is going on? Let's get up to 100. Um It'll be uh, it'll be great. Thank you uh, so so much. Um, Archangel says there is no such thing as progression in football. Every season, every team starts at zero points. That's not true, is it? Football can change quickly. I'll give you that, but it's not a, a sport in which you can't progress. I mean, <laughs> Manchester City have got better and better and better over time, haven't they? Pep Guardiola has got better and better and better. His teams have become more and more formidable. You look at. Um, Liverpool under Jurgen Klopp, they were building, 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 and then they got to a point where they were really, really strong and able to compete with this Manchester City side. You look at Arsenal finishing eighth in a couple of seasons and then up to fifth, um, and then from fifth up to second. That's that's progress in itself, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, we are moving in the right direction. Obviously, though, there is a feeling of disappointment at the moment. Look, there's a lot of talk about the striker stuff. Um, Chris says... Jesus's link-up has been terrible in the last few games. I agree with that, Chris, but it's another example of, of one of our key players just dropping off in terms of his performance and nobody really been able to explain why. Uh, Russ says, I love Jesus, but he isn't a number nine. Whenever we resort to crosses into the box, he's never on the end of anything. He seems to be allergic to being in the six-yard box. This is the thing. We don't really put crosses into the box. You know, we're not that type of side. Again, that backs up the point as to why Kieran Tini probably doesn't fit anymore and um, and, and isn't seen clearly as, you know, the, fir the, the first choice left back, probably not even second choice based on what we saw yesterday. Although I do caveat that with the rumour uh, that he had an issue and, and that's why I didn't play. But I don't know that for sure, one way or the other. Um, okay, uh, let's go over to Twitter because... Um, a few of you uh, were tweeting me earlier on today and um, I'm interested to know uh, what you guys were asking. Hold on a second. Let me bring this up. Do love a bit of Twitter chat. Where are we? Here we go. One second. Um, I was having a little laugh at this earlier on. I don't know if you guys have seen this. I'm sure you have. The Manchester City fans. Andrew Bardsley on Twitter tweeted, plenty of fans are still here celebrating. Plenty. There's hardly anyone bloody there. Basically, like the Etihad. On a Saturday afternoon, uh, let's take... Oh, this was another thing we needed to talk about. 
absolute nonsensical tweet from TalkSport here, um, who say that Arsenal were 11 points clear with a game in hand when they signed Jorginho. I mean, off the top of my head here, because I haven't gone back and checked this, I don't remember ever being 11 points clear with a game in hand, let alone when we signed Jorginho. What a load of shit that is. I can't believe that's been allowed to go out, to be honest. Nonsense. It's baited people, which is, I guess, what the idea of the tweet was, to hook people in, uh, to create a conversation and a discussion. But, yeah, that is that is shocking. Um, but anyway, uh, I asked you guys uh, for some questions or um any thoughts or, or discussion points that you'd like to hear included in this is what we got. So Shane says, um, morning, bud. One talking point would be why was Tierney replaced in the starting 11 last night? We, we've pretty much covered that. Um, we don't know if there was a problem for the player, but what we do know is that Mikel Arteta probably doesn't fancy him and um, is probably going to look to move him on uh, in the summer. Um, George says, is this on Mikel for poor game time management and how does he attempt to improve in that area when next season Arsenal will be distracted by the lure of the Champions League it's a valid point and we've talked quite a bit I think as Arsenal fans about a lack of rotation and it's going to be interesting to see what Mikel's learned from this season whether he will be a more prominent um, or, or a more uh, what's the word I'm looking for more of an advocate of rotation, whether that, that will happen if he gets in a few more players that he feels are up to the level required. My my only concern about that is, look, great, get the players in because we need them and that will, in theory, allow us to rotate. But if you're going to let some of the rotation that we currently have go, are we actually in a better position? So if Kieran Tierney goes, you know, are we in a better position at left back? If if Granit Xhaka goes, are we in a better position in midfield? In terms of strength and depth, maybe we're going to upgrade on those players individually in terms of the first team. But in terms of strength and depth, it kind of defeats the object, doesn't it? Um, which is what I'm I'm really struggling with, particularly in the Xhaka case. Um, Kyle Finity says, um, who do you see realistically being brought in this summer? Lots of talk about Rice, but I fear his price tag will wipe most of the summer budget when we need quantity i think we need quantity but i also think we need quality and i think that i'd rather have quality than quantity um because in the past we've gone for quantity and it's just not worked you know remember when unai emery first came in remember that summer the business that we went and done there lots of quantity not that much quality um unfortunately so um who do I think will come in? I'd like to think that Declan Rice is a deal that Arsenal can do. Uh, I'd like to think that they could get another midfielder in the door as well. Um, I think we need one, maybe two defenders, depending on departures. I think we need a, a striker. I think that we need a winger. I think we need five players, to be honest with you. The question is, will Arsenal go out and spend that big in our Arsenal? Able to do that. And that's where my concern lays. But in terms of names... I haven't really gone that far in terms of thinking about it. I haven't really gone that deep. I've been reacting to a lot of the news recently uh, and trying to sort of put across opinions on that. But in terms of having sat down and done my own research, I'm not really there yet. Um, but that is a, a show that we'll be doing in the not too distant future. So I'll um, I'll keep you posted on that. Uh, Michael Constantino says, Harry, are you concerned that this form will be taken into the beginning of the next season? And what were your thoughts on the changes in the defence yesterday? Seemed a bit panicky to me. Yeah, the defensive selection to me baffled. 
Um, it really, really did. I couldn't make sense of it. I thought it was going to be one thing. Um, it turned out that when I saw the lineup, I thought it was going to be something else. And then when I actually saw the game start, I saw something else. So, yeah, um, terrible. Um, as far as I'm concerned, it just caused panic and, and problems and uncertainty. Uh, Josh Lewis says the players having zero fight when it really matters. Yeah, you you can say that. You know, you can level that at them. And I think that's probably fair. Um, but I I personally don't think it was from a lack of trying. I think it is dropping off a cliff, probably not really giving us any um not really giving us any um any explanation as to why the performances have gone off a cliff. I, that's what lost my trailer thought there. Because I'm trying to process still what's going on. I was really downbeat last night. I still am today. Um, I'm finding it really, really hard to shake. I just want the season to be over now. I really do. Uh, Ravindra says, Harry, Arsenal have been great this season. However, the slump towards the end of the season is happening again, like the last one. Um, it cost us top four last time and the title this time. What can change this so you guys don't repeat the same? Really difficult to say, isn't it? Um because if you could put your finger on it, you just fix it. Um, obviously, a lack of depth has been a problem in both of those situations, I would say. Um, we lost key players to injury during the, the chase for the top four last season, and that really, really cost us. I remember that back line we went to Spurs with was really poor, really weak. And Rob Holding, who was a part of that, got himself sent off in the first half, which made that very, very difficult for us. It was already a tough game, and that just added to it. Um, what can you do to change it? Add depth, um, hope that the players have learned from what's happened, hope that they've learned to kind of pace themselves mentally and physically. As a manager, you've got to learn to rotate in a more effective way, protect players, manage their game time better. That's something that Pep Guardiola, by the way, has done fantastically well at this season. Um, so I guess those are the, the, the first kind of ports of call. Siliam um, Waliba, I love that says, how imperative is it that we can get one or two, if not two, world-class central midfielders? I also think we need to sign a horrible bastard that will take no crap. I think that's Caicedo. Yeah, I think the midfield is a big development area for us. I really, really do. It's an area in which we uh, really need to improve if we want to um, compete at the highest level, but also uh, if we want to uh, try and fight on multiple fronts. We need, just need that little bit more depth. Uh, and finally, Mayank says, should Mikel Arteta be sacked? Absolutely fine not what a load of nonsense um what i will say sort of before we wrap this episode up is um is if you're calling for Mikel arteta to be sacked you're an idiot sorry um i know people are gonna go oh look at him dismissing people's opinions i'm sorry like there is no evidence that says that Mikel arteta is not taking arsenal forward in fact it's the opposite so you need to back him you need to support him um, I think it's perfectly fine to question some of his decisions, as I've done today and as we've done at various points this season. I think it's absolutely fine as long as you do it in a fair and reasonable way. Uh, no issue with that whatsoever. Um, but we've been able to believe again this season. We've been able to dream again. And football is so much deeper than just results. Results are important. Of course, they're arguably the most important thing. But, you know, to feel that connection with the club again, to feel that sort of real heartbreak in a in a sort of um looking at it with the glass half full type of way the heartbreak means that you thought it was coming and you thought it could happen and you care 
And maybe two, three years ago, you wouldn't have felt this heartbreak because you wouldn't have thought it was coming. You probably wouldn't have cared as much as you did this time around with this young, exciting group led by our former captain, Mikel Arteta. I just think there's so many more positives than negatives to this season. Of course, there are negatives and I'll you know, be the first one to say that a lot of that needs to be addressed over the summer and steps need to be taken to prevent this happening once more. But the positives, as I say, massively outweigh the negatives. I really do believe that. This isn't a PR spin, as some people like to say. I genuinely do believe that. And I think when we do our breakdown of the season on the, on the podcast uh, after the campaign ends next week, um, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll do my best to kind of highlight what those positives are and um, and hopefully people will come away from that feeling just that little bit better. But going to leave it there for now. Manchester City are champions. Congratulations to them. Um, deserved winners in the end because they were just flawless for months. Um, as for Arsenal, look, massive feeling of disappointment. Mikel Arteta says we need to go away and heal. I agree with that. Um, but at the same time, we need to be proud of the fact that we closed the gap. We need to be proud of the direction of travel in which the club is headed. And um, and fingers crossed we won't be feeling this next season and instead we'll be feeling something um, much more positive. But hey, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, thank you to every single one of you for tuning in, uh, to those that sent questions in via Twitter, to those uh, that got involved via the live chat box as well. Apologies, I can't get around to all of your questions, but we will be back tomorrow with another episode of the Chronicles of Aguna. Until then, take care of yourselves and stay safe. Goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.